Yeah, and then we've not gone uh, live at our usual. Or thing is, have we ever gone live um, for I any live thing we've ever done? I was technically live at like quarter two, one one forty three. Mm-hmm. But then it all fucked and then up. My because... PC decided, no, fuck you. Being prepared, I'm gonna blue screen. I'm gonna freeze on you. And the webcam's gonna stop working. How good does it feel though, knowing you always have the inbuilt excuse for any technical mishaps? Mm-hmm. By just saying professionally unprofessional. It's true. Like, it might be the strongest gimmick for people Ooh. who aren't very good at doing what we're doing. Yeah. Like, and, like, and I mean, like, we're decent at making videos, decent at making content. I mean, in the sense that like, we're not professionals. Mm-hmm. But we yeah. try. We've tried to give the illusion of being professionals. Because something that's... Uh, that's I think. Uh, do we know what episode we're on? Do we ever check that? Um, I think this is now 116. Is this, this is 116. So next week will be Master Chief episode. Got it. So we can talk about Halo all day. Um, and as you want, John, my, as you want, John, my co-host Lucas, say hello, Lucas. Hello, Lucas. And uh, yeah, something um, I've heard talked about a lot that I think it's it gets stronger every day is that hmm. nobody knows what bad content looks like anymore. Oh right, yeah. And I want to say something everything to become so middling. Yeah, they're even the most bogs, like even the most crappy of streamer will have like a a professional camera so like mm-hmm. my camera right now doesn't look as clean and crisp as yours but it's still pretty decent quality but people are so used to to such exceptionally high quality as the norm mm-hmm. no one really knows what bad stuff looks like and uh how, how do you feel about that in regards to media um that there's like just nothing is bad anymore everything's just yeah the thing is there are still bits of bad content out there but mm-hmm. the vast majority of people and the vast majority of pop culture that is consumed is just of such exceptionally good quality the average of what is bad has just gone up i will tell you that something that was legitimately bad though carl yes um very minor spoilers for episode one of kenobi but that fucking forest run scene. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about Kenobi in a bit because, like, you know, Dear fucking it's, God. it's the hottest shit right now. But how do you, like, Disney's one of those things that um, I think is responsible for that. It's a mm-hmm. concept my girlfriend introduced me to. It says uh, it's called, like, the Pixar effect or something like that, where Disney and Pixar have just created such astonishingly good animated films. Mm-hmm. Not even in terms of, like, the story, I mean, like, in terms of just how good the animation is. Like, they're so. Yeah good looking and they like push the boundaries of the art form in mm. literally every film they make like every new animated disney or pixar film pushes the technological boundaries of what can be achieved in the medium in some way to the point where like people see stuff that is still exceptionally good but it's like well it's not as good as disney it's like yeah because we've not got a billion dollars <laughs> and that's like, the thing on- as well is like um i thought with you know saying like the pixar effect you were gonna say like kind of well, a bad Pixar film is still a good movie kind of thing. Yeah. It's, like, it's still better than 90% of the shit that comes out from everywhere else, which is also yeah. part of it. Of Everything that Disney puts out is, at very least, like a 6 or 7 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And Fine that min- leads like, people... Pure minimum, yeah. Yeah, and that leads people to not have a understanding of what something that is bad, objectively bad, from like either a filmmaking standpoint or a story standpoint, actually looks like. And it's the same on YouTube, where... We have had like the most minor of technical hiccups that people mm-hmm. have said is like absolutely unforgivable because yeah. the level of quality expected on the platform is so high. 
And um, that was actually a video that Brad Nisha did recently on the side channel. Is, um, I think that's what inspired it. I saw it's like the technical yeah, issues in factory videos, yes. Going through some technical problems. And a lot of it is just like something was blurry. The audio was echoey. Like the worst ones are, are normally when something is straight up lost. Yes, or like we don't focus the camera. And that's usually that's my mistake, not their mistake. To be fair like... though, there was one time, you know, when I, I forgot to refocus in between shooting a video. And there's like, oh, because I, re I remember shooting that one day of like, Video one is fine. Then there was like the Pikachu wiki video, which is blurry as shit. And then I realized, and the one after that is fine. And we have three videos from the same day where two are in focus and one is really blurry. Yeah. It's like, and God damn it. Even when like the videos are blurry, like the sound quality is still really good. And I just find that to be a very interesting concept where a lot of people literally do not know what bad looks like anymore. And it makes mm. discussions of media and criticisms of media so hilarious in that way of like you know we could probably know we're not going to speak about the obi-wan kenobi show in a bit and i do not doubt there are people out there saying it is like the greatest thing to exist and there are other people saying it's the worst piece of shit to have ever been made it's like that's mm -hmm. the thing media is not anymore especially not media that's put out by these big companies like it will never be straight up bad it will always be middling at worst and it's like that thing isn't it of, uh, with car drivers with kenobi like Kenobi of all programs, when you're talking about it, it's like it can be nothing but inconsequential because yep. it has to fit in between two trilogies of movies with already set canon. And the amount of people they've got working on it, it's at the very least going to be competently made. Mm -hmm. And it's like that uh, the thing about driving cars. Have you ever seen this where every person who drives a car who's asked to rate their own skill mm -hmm. at driving a car would rate themselves as above average, which means above average is the new average. Mm hmm. So technically, they are average. If you told them they are an average driver, they'd be like, well, no, I'm not. I'm above average. Like, but no, everyone says that. So above average is the average. Mm -hmm. It's the same with film, where every film that's like a blockbuster or released in cinemas is generally you know, above average in terms of quality for the whole of the thing it's produced. So above Especially average becomes nowadays, average. Especially nowadays, like post-COVID, it's hard to get into movies now. And like, yeah. obviously, there are... Um, it was already a business on the downturn before mm -hmm. covid and public theaters have just taken a fucking shot in the foot since and it's why when you get like your morbiuses your justice leagues um these huge productions that are supposedly put out by these companies who only make the safest products mm -hmm. available it's so surprising that they could have had so many people so many hands on this product so many people were talented in their field and they still fuck it up and that's the thing is, like, I'm sure, yes, Morbius, um, we haven't seen it, but I've seen clips of it and stuff, and I've heard reviews and listened to podcast reviews on it and stuff like that. I've heard a lot of discussion about that movie, and all of it's been, this movie is, like, bland and forgettable, or really stupid and cheesy kind of thing. And, like, again, anyone that, like, you know, half knows what they're talking about will tell you that movie's, like, a 5 out of 10. But yeah. everybody who goes to see it that, you know, wants to have a discussion on twitter will be like this is the worst movie i've ever fucking seen because so, the well, only thing it's, it's not because the you only thing you have to... like <laughs> yeah you haven't watched a student film that got made on a shoestring budget where none of them knew how to hold a camera properly you know what yeah. i mean because the only thing they have to compare it to is other properties like from the marvel universe which are all like have such massive budgets and talent behind them mm -hmm. and that's interesting to me that i like, Media criticism is not dead, but it has certainly been um, diluted to the point where you can very easily write someone's opinion off based on um, how binary their opinions are. And I think a common criticism you often see when it comes to 
criticism of criticism, which is quite ironic, is um, for the love of God, please watch movies other than Marvel movies. You mm. don't know what you're talking about. And you can always tell when the only movies people watch are Marvel movies. It's like the other thing of like always comparing books to Harry Potter or games to Dark Souls. Like, dig, please. I just <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's even good. Just play something else to give you a more rounded perspective. Please. I also I also seen. Um, I mean, I've seen multiple videos, but there must have been one that was obviously the first one to do it, or like yes. there was an article that everyone's ripping off or something. But I've seen many people make the exact same video on TikTok of Did you know that Harry Potter is lazy Star Wars? And it's like it's. It's not lazy Star Wars. It's just the hero's journey. Like it's a very basic trope of it's like, writing in general. Star Wars is just lazy Kurosawa, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. I remember we talked about on the podcast once, wasn't it? Where was it? Someone bitching about the Mandalorian? No, it was um, Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, they were yes, talking about yeah. oh, Ghost of Tsushima is just a rip off of like um, old Western movies. It's like, well, no, old Western movies are a rip off of old samurai movies mm-hmm. made by Kurosawa. And that's the thing of like, but because they don't have that context there, it's like, oh, it must be a ripoff of this. It's like, no, because you don't understand the context of Western movies are ripoffs of like samurai movies. Yeah. It's like, and that con- without that context, their criticism, I'm not going to say it's worthless, but it certainly has less value in the space. Especially it's when it goes to Sushima's case of like, it, that, so was, a, that was a game that literally had a Kurosawa mode. mode. And they didn't and like, even know. How, they, like, and that's the. They literally it's, are sitting there going, wearing it on their absolute sleeve of like, this game is inspired directly by Kurosawa. Oh, well, it's just a Western. <laughs> All right. So t- tell me you've never watched a movie like from like more than 30 years ago without <laughs> telling me you've never watched a movie from more than 30 years ago. But, Luca, speaking of things of exceptionally high quality that can just you know sway people into thinking that everything else is shit... Um, tell people about our podcast and where they can find um, uh, little tidbits and uh, things to help support and make it. Well, yeah, um, you know, this podcast, a, Carl's Corner. Bad. It yes. was, but I'm rolling with it, Carl. Let me Fuck go. It. Professional and professional. Um, yeah, on you know, this podcast right now is being watched live um, on the Untitled Side channel over on YouTube. Um, if you mm-hmm. are a Patreon member, you're a patron of the Patreon. On Patreon. It confuses me sometimes. Uh, over on Untitled Side Channel, uh, patreon.com slash Untitled Side Channel, so should say. Um, yeah, you can go and watch this live, and we're also trying out um, an exclusive patron-only little post-show at the end Ooh. of this podcast. So if you are um, a patron over on that Patreon, you can either... I'll be putting the podcast up there with the extra little tidbit at the end where we're going to ask patrons for some questions to answer. Yeah. And um, I'll also, you know, it'll be on the live stream. But for people watching on or listening on podcast services, um, you can find us anywhere. Uh, you'll be getting the regular Carl's Corner as usual. You would never know the difference other than us stating that there'll be a difference. Yeah. And is that a thing of um, it's very important to us to not gatekeep content that would ordinarily be made without this. And this is an mm-hmm. idea you've had of like, let's just give people on the Patreon like, a little bit of extra value. Which is yeah. something we're trying to do there because we feel uh, it's like well, if you support, it's like we didn't want to do it, but at the same time, you kind of feel like, like you're giving to. us money. I feel like we owe you something in return, and the, the yeah. something in return is that side channel. But yeah. I also still feel like maybe people don't realize that. But because yeah, that just... side channel is entirely funded by um, uh, the like, very kind donations we receive from uh, our fans on Patreon, mm-hmm. and then the, they. Indeed. To clarify as well, that won't interrupt the uh, the Q and A episodes we do with this very podcast. It's just that no, no. 
Um, we do those infrequently because just it, the questions come in waves, don't they? they if do, you'd like yeah. to send a question, you can do so to carlscornerqa at gmail.com and an episode of that will no doubt get made at some point in the near future. Yeah, it'll probably be quite soon because like last time we did some Q&A, we did a half and a half episode. So Yeah, so there'll be some there. Just, we wanted to do a little extra value add whilst we have like the camera equipment and stuff set up. Yeah, so you can Phoenix. still feel free to send questions over to that email address. We will do QA episodes as usual. Thank you for pointing that out, Carl. Yes, but, um, uh, we feel like the ones for Patreon because they're probably going to be a bit more timely. It allows us to answer stuff in a bit more timely manner as well. Because... Exactly, it just means I can put a post out on the day, send a couple of questions over, answer a couple of questions, just a little added bonus at the end. Yeah, and they're more likely to be, as I said, timely because you know they're asking us questions about things that perhaps happen on the day. Because like right now, as we're recording this, there's the... Is it Scarlet and Violet reveal trailers happening? Yeah, so something has come out about Pokemon that I don't know about, but people viewing might know about, and that makes me really stressed, Carl. Because I normally don't the... care, but when it comes to Pokemon, I kind of do. But yeah. this is going to be like, I think I'm going to watch the trailer, make probably a video about it for the side channel this week, and then be like blackout mode from there. Yeah, because this is the, the first way. like proper trailer trailer we're getting rather than just like a teaser. And I'm just going to ignore everything as usual because mm -hmm. I'm at that point in my life now. It's like, I know what I like. Maybe every now and again, I'll stumble across something um, uh, that I think looks interesting. And I'll explore it. But as it stands right now, I I have many, many interests. Uh, there is a never ending list of pieces of content that I need to get through that will never be completed. So do you know that stress thing of like when someone says, oh, you should watch this and you add it to your mental list and you think, well, I've got to watch like five different fucking seasons of a show that's been mm -hmm. recommended to me, three different movies, a bunch of movies that have just came out, a couple of books, um, a few video games to play. And it's that thing of like, there will never be an end to the content that I am going to consume. That just falls within my exact um, uh, interest, like field of interests, mm -hmm. which is why one of the reasons why we don't do like suggestions and requests on the channel, because there's simply so much stuff that we want to talk about that we'd like to talk about that we're never going to run out. Because our interests are like, you know, not only is there all the stuff that exists that currently includes our interests, all the new stuff that's been made and released. Well, last thing is like, I got multiple books for uh, my over my birthday and Christmas period. Like, mm. um, you know, the Batman Call of Owls uh, volumes and like um, Ask a Water, that book that one I'm really reading, like Dave Grohl's biography I've, and stuff like that. I really am interested in that one because there's a lot of like neat tidbits in there. Yeah, there really the is. Old. And it's just baffling because because my primary thing to do is game i'm going through my gaming backlog as my gaming backlog gets bigger than it does smaller at all times with every then, new game that gets released even when i can't keep up with my gamer backlog in the back of my head i'm like well i've got like three four different books i've also got this year that i've not got around to reading i'm like oh yeah it's happened to me i bought um uh, it's on a whim I've always wanted each other's compendiums, the Final Fantasy compendiums. Oh, yes, yeah. That have all the original artwork in them as some coffee table books. So I've been slowly going through them alongside a book uh, my girlfriend's mum got me for Christmas, which is called Metamorphosis, which is the Rick Baker um, autobiography. Rick Baker is a very famous, very successful, and very influential movie special effects artist. And he's been okay. working in the industry for like 60, 70 years. Like he worked on everything. Like he got, he cut his teeth working on like you know the fucking I think like one of the early King Kong movies or something like that, and his lifestyle is really interesting. I've been again working through all of that as well. So like they're these huge coffee table books. Mm. Like it's fucking, I'm talking like it's the size of a PS5, and there's two of them, and it covers like the entire like six decades of his life and his career, and all these like amazing behind the scenes things. We've seen him being like a weird creative has documented every single thing he's ever done. 
and it's got all this stuff in it about like, oh here's how they made like the, the creature from the Black Lagoon and all the crappy B movies he worked on and I'm reading that and I'm like well this crappy B movie looks awesome because of the effects I should probably go try and track this down see that's the thing is obviously I've I've seen a lot of um, YouTube stuff and like Corridor Crew really well known for it of like getting VFX artists on and stuff and stuntmen on of like fascinating detailing some of the things that do but that's fascinating but i feel like it'd be even more fascinating to sit down with the people that had to do it all physically in like yes. the 60s and 70s and stuff and how the fuck did you make this because like listening even about like you know um the t-rex in jurassic park and like the little half velociraptor puppets they had to make and stuff that when it when it's physically made it seems like even more interesting and complex and surreal yeah and it's one of those things that's like i find it super interesting which is why my girlfriend's mother bought me the book and it's like I got like, you know, 100, 200 pages in and I realized I've been reading this like five hours and I'm going to take a break now. And then that was like yeah. three months ago. And it's like, oh, God damn it. Because I want to get back into it. Then again, the, the list of things that I've got to do and see and do. And then like, you know, it's maintaining a social life, maintaining my work life. It will never end. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing, I feel. Like the fact that we are in such an embarrassment of riches in regards to content that I will we literally are. never run out of things that personally fit my very specific tastes that will entertain me. Mm-hmm. The fact that I, like, conceivably, I will never be bored for the rest of my life. There will always be something new for me to consume or do yeah. that is tailored to my interests. And that's kind of, like, what's the word I'm thinking of now? Not wholesome. Um, reassuring. Reassuring, maybe. yeah. Just to think that for the rest of my life, there will be, like, this virtually infinite content I consume that will um, uh, I will find entertaining. It's like, I'm pretty sure that at this point, if no more games were ever released, I would have a big enough gaming backlog to just do me for the rest of my life. Basically, yeah. It's like mm-hmm. with movies and stuff. It's like uh, one of the things that I've been doing is uh, Better Call Saul's coming out. Um, and that like final, the finale is going to be in a couple of weeks. So I've written a few articles about Breaking Bad, specifically mm-hmm. in anticipation of that coming out. So we can do like a week of Breaking Bad content and Better Call Saul Ooh, content. Okay. And I've just been going back through all of the uh, interviews and commentary tracks that Vince Gilligan did mm. for the show. And they're fascinating. Like some of the things that they're talking about, of like, oh yeah, so here's a scene where they're, like, they're sat in a, I think it's like an early season of Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sat in a lawyer's office. Um, uh, this is on a soundstage. Um, there's no view out the window there. Um, that's actually a giant blown up photograph of Los <laughs> Angeles, even though in Albuquerque, but it's blurry enough that you don't notice. And those mm-hmm. trees are potted house plants that have been blown to the side by an electric fan. <laughs> and it's that thing of like, I would have never noticed that. Well, the fact that that's what they had to do to get this one shot in this and one show. It's like, I've not watched much behind the, the scenes stuff of Breaking Bad, but it's, I, I would well, recommend it because everyone involved with it is like an abs- a, a weirdo perfectionist. I can tell because like I've watched the Mythbusters episodes of Breaking Bad specials where they get like Vince Gilligan in to talk about the myths and like how he, much yeah, did he you is. research each thing and like th- they are meticulous. Like he is such like a weirdo perfectionist, and mm-hmm. as well, he's a really, really nice guy. Like he seems like he seems like someone, yeah. uh, the kind of person where if they weren't doing this, they wouldn't be doing anything else. Because when he's talking, he recalls everybody's name. Mm-hmm. He has nothing but nice things to say about, it, and he recalls everything they've ever worked on. Oh wow! And he's like, um, and every time he brings in, like you know, his director of photography or the guy, like one episode they just brought the lighting director in. It's like mm. the lighting director on a TV show and it's like every single like there's a scene where they're sat on like a park bench 
And they're like, it's like, oh, so how did you like this scene? So well, you think it was just early morning, which it was, but the sun was in the wrong direction. So we had to block out the sun and bring in three trucks with generators in to create enough light to create an artificial sun for this scene. Yeah. And then it's like, and then the scene ran a little bit long, so we had to edit it out. But to edit that out, what we had to do is when people walk past the camera, we slowly fade out and cut the scene in that way, and you never notice it. And then we had to like CGI people on bicycles out of the background because it caused continuity. And it's like, I this is a scene of two people sat on a bench having a conversation. And And I think it was just get a camera out in the wild, put them on a bench, go. It's like, no, because we wanted a specific look for the scene. So we're like, Mm. well, first thing we did is we blocked out the sun. (laughs) And then we (laughs) created a new step one. Literally, first thing they did, block out the sun, create a new sun. And that's like for the opening shot of one episode, and mm. there's like forty minutes of this shit of all the stuff they have to do. Yeah, it's um, it's just baffling, and like that's that's the kind of. I feel like that's not the difference between a good and a great TV show, but when you've got people that care enough to do weird shit like that for their artistic vision, that's probably what makes it. Not the act of blocking out the sun for and for a it's part benching, f- it's the people that give enough of a shit to do that. They care enough to make sure that they, they care enough that they do that and they insist upon it as well. And that they film, mm-hmm. they specifically requested and didn't back down. Because they could have easily just filmed it without that. But the fact that they were so insistent upon it. And then, um, like, every character in the series has like a color scheme. It's something I've got an article about. So we'll talk about it. So it's one of the things I want you to refresh my memory on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, Walter White's color is green. Like, that's his color. And uh, so when he's not in like Heisenberg mode, yeah. Um, he, so Heisenberg's color is black to represent the fact that he's like, you know, evil, very mm-hmm. like, you know, basic film school stuff. But Walter White's color is green. And they're talking about there's a scene where it's Walter White wearing like a bath towel. And it's like, well, for that bath towel, that color doesn't exist. Is this so like ha- the bomber jacket, dark green color that he wears? Is that yeah. his color? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, we had to, and you'll notice that it gets um, uh, dark, progressively darker over the seasons. Right. And they had to get their costume designer to go out and get, so, okay, we need you to find a jumper that's exactly this color. Okay, it doesn't exist. Okay, make a jumper in that color. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's a scene where it's like, you know, he's wearing a bathrobe. It's like they don't sell bathrobes in this color because it's an ugly color. It's like, fucking make one. <laughs> or like his car. His car is a very specific shade of green that does not exist because they specifically want it to be this one shade of green because Vince Gilligan said it's the most unattractive shade of green I can imagine. So obviously they don't make cars with that color scheme. No. So he made them repaint the car to give it that color scheme. It's like, what? oh man that's wild and that's the thing like that said it doesn't doing that stuff doesn't make a show good but the fact that the people making the show even think about it means it's more likely to be good because the people behind the camera give a shit yeah and they, they give a that. shit about conveying like you know their true vision it's like yeah it says a lot when people have such a strong vision and have both the like opportunity but also the actual gumption to go and and do it and stick yeah. to it and like they could have very easily said fuck it do something else and obviously you know they could have also not been provided enough of a budget to go that far with it but or, they clearly utilized the budget well the alternative is is that they had a vision and that vision was like shit like they could have had like you know that really specific vision but it could have been handled very poorly because mm-hmm. they're like you know their vision is bad like Zack Snyder. We've done on him all the time, but yeah. like he is a creator, like where he got a lot of creative freedom, and he's very insistent that his vision be realized. He's got a vision, his, and he fucking sticks to it. But it's, but his vision is poor. Yeah, 
and his handling of the source material is poor, and his directive skills are very poor when it comes to anything but action. But yeah, he's like, still stuck to again, his guns, and that's... I, I always sit there and go, like, people always give a shit for never liking anything Zack Snyder does, and every time I sit here and go, he makes compelling action scenes. Like, 300 compelling because half of that movie was just compelling action. Yeah, he should have he should just direct. Is just like, yeah. Zack Snyder should direct Super Bowl commercials exclusively. <laughs> you know, there's like $3 million Super Bowl commercials like that have like. Slow mo, th- vague, like almost action nonsensical scene. action and weirdness going on, yeah. Yeah, where they just have like an action scene with a bunch of characters in it for like a few minutes and it's like, buy this. Mm-hmm. Like, he should exclusively direct Super Bowl commercials. I would argue he would probably be one of the best commercial directors there is. What's that Michael Bay cut his teeth? Michael Bay got his start advertising in advertising, and one of his most famous ads is Got Milk. He did the first Got Milk advertisement. That was him. But no one remembered that campaign, Carol. One of the most famous, and that's thing, Michael Bay. <laughs> and you can see it when you watch his stuff, like, you know, his quick cuts and things like that. Like, mm. yeah, he's used to working in a field where, you know, you've got people's attention for 30 seconds. And when you realize that, it's like, wow, yeah, that's his, that's his entire movie. Just and then he probably... made a movie starring giant transforming robots that was so boring I fell asleep to. I, I also fell asleep during <laughs> one of the trans- And the thing is, I fell asleep during the one with dinosaurs in it. It's like, how did Michael I... Bay make robotic dinosaurs that breathe fire boring? That, that sentence in itself should prove that that's impossible to make boring. Giant robot fire-breathing transforming robots. Dinosaurs. Yeah. Dinosaur robots, yeah, like it's it's a skill. It's a skill in of itself to mishandle something that's like should be a slam dunk. It's like mm-hmm. Joe, when you see people miss a goal from like two foot away, <laughs> it's impressive in a way. Like it's not good. Like when you look at those impre- shots where it's like an open goal a foot away, and it like defies physics and goes squarely up, and you're like, yeah, when they spoon it from two foot in front of the goal, make it's like. Sense. It's not a good thing that they did that, but it's still impressive that they pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, it defies all logic that like, you could do something this bad. It's literally harder to do that than the, to score the, the goal. Yeah, like, you could have tapped it in. And that's the thing as well, it's like when people try and showboat on mm-hmm. the, like, you know, when they're running or something and fall over. That's also impressive that you hadn't, like, you could, if you just walked it in, <laughs> you'd have done fine. You'd have got a perfect time, but you, like, you know, you had to try and show off. You had to try and flex a little bit, and it fucked up. I think it was a. Um... Like, taunt, taunt to get bodied. The truest combo a of all. A great one that I saw like on TikTok or whatever recently, and it was like um, during a, like a 10k or whatever, a little child overtakes this woman, and she tries to like take it out by the ankles as it's running past. Try, try, try like, to take the kid out. Take this little kid out. Like, no, on... you won't defeat me. Like, whose ego is that small? And you know that little kid was probably stood a hundred meters from the, the finish line, and they just went, oh, "Go yeah. on, run." And it's like, oh, god damn it. It's like that lady in it who tried to take a selfie at the Tour de France and knocked over like 300 people. <laughs> and they were like complaining to the thing like, oh, she doesn't deserve, like it wasn't her fault. And it's like, it literally is, she did it on camera. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't mean to knock anyone over. It's like, well, to be fair, she could see behind her she was taking a selfie. <laughs> so you could see behind yeah. her. And I think they did get away with that. Like they got like they told like the, the the court of public opinion has like you know um, uh, rate them over the coals enough just like just don't fucking do it again. Mm. So like, do you know that thing of like knocking something over in a shop of like we're not going to make you pay for it but we are going to ask you to leave. And even then, most of the time it's like they don't even ask you to leave. They're just like, look, 
should be careful, all right. Just... Don't do it again. Because that was one of the more surprising things I learned um, uh, writing um, uh, for today I found out. And one of the questions mm. that we got asked once I answered is, what happens if you like knock over something in a museum? And I was like, you know, I'm actually curious what happens if you like knock over something. Like, you know, they're sometimes irreplaceable because these are historical objects that may not exist anywhere else on Earth. Mm. And it also led me down the avenue of like, also, why are these things just out on display? It's like, why is it that you can walk into near enough any museum on Earth and just like go within spitting distance of these like irreplaceable works of art? And there's just like a bit of a red rope behind, like in front of it, going, "Don't touch it." Yeah, and it's only in the most extreme cases where you have it actually protected from the public. And mm -hmm. the answer that I found is it's quite adorable, really. Is well, the, it's everyone's shared heritage. Like to hide it behind. Um, uh, like glass stops you from truly appreciating it and it's like you know, it relies on like you know a level of trust between both the museum and the people there that you're not mm -hmm. going to fuck it up and on occasion there are people who do fuck it up like um, just this week we had someone try to throw cake at the Mona Lisa no they they smeared a cream pie all over it which and is not, not in a dirty way or anything like literally just you know a bunch of fucking whipped cream just smattered it on the Mona Lisa and the Mona Lisa is behind bulletproof glass because people keep trying to do that. And then I've seen the David. It like must have, yeah, because that's the thing is like, it must have been on an occasion where like it was open to the public because it was physically on the painting. Is it? Not, they get on the painting. They got it on the painting, but it's, it's usually, usually behind, behind glass. glass. Yeah. Yeah, for that reason. It's like Michelangelo's David. You used to be able to walk right up to it mm. and touch it. It's like, it's fucking marble, you know, do. And then one day, one guy walked in with a hammer and hit it. And he Fuck broke the toes, and they had to repair it. And it's like, okay, now it's on a plinth, and you got to stand twelve foot back because mm -hmm. one knobhead ruined it for everyone. And otherwise, like you could just walk. And it's that thing of like, if people could be trusted, we can let you on up until they can't be. You are allowed to just like walk up and be within touching distance of these works of art. Like, yeah, because I've I've been the Louvre a few times, and like I've never been able to gain. You know, not that I'd want to, but I, there's always it's always like behind a panel glass or whatever it is. It's always been protected. Mm -hmm. But no, you literally see like someone wiping cream off the physical Mona Lisa, and I was, I was like, maybe it was um, one of those where they take it to somewhere else, and it's not in the Louvre. I'm not quite sure on the details, but I was very confused by that. And yeah, this is yeah. why. Because it's a shame, isn't fucking... it? Like, you know, it's it's our shared national heritage. Like you know, this art belongs to and everybody. It's why museums exist and they're publicly funded. It's like yeah. you know, because everyone can enjoy this. I can't confirm, but I did see like um, at the time when it first came out, it was like. Oh, like it was a suspected like eco terrorist trying to send a message. And I'm like, but why is it's like the Mona, the Mona Lisa sending a message of like be better to our planet? It's that thing of young people, especially young people, and it's the thing. It's the energy is correct, like you know, caring for the environment. It's just like it's been directed in the wrong way, completely the wrong place. Yeah. It's like the one that we've dealt with, isn't it? I think we talked about when we had what, a box of shreddies on a desk once and the amount of people who were giving us shit. It's like, you're supporting Nestle. So yeah, Nestle is an evil company, but the energy that you're using to shit on Nestle should not be directed at people who literally just need to eat to survive. I just need to eat some cereal that day, okay? It, like should be, it should be directed towards the people who run Nestle and make the decisions that result in these awful things. Like So 
your anger is correct, it's just being directed in the wrong direction. You're directing it at the people that just want a box of shreddies and not the people that are like committing horrible atrocities. Yes, and that's the thing there. Of um, and it's understandable with young people, our younger people, because you know they don't know they lack it's the world similar experience. Similar to um to people like I've had it a couple of times where people have given me shit for ordering something from Amazon. And I'm like, but it was cheaper, and I can get it earlier, and it's more it's, convenient. Like, they're providing a man. better service to me, and I'm one person, yeah. And they're like, yeah, but you shouldn't do that. That's not fair. Like, they don't treat the workers right. So, well, that's on Amazon to treat their workers better, not me, one man who isn't involved in a business. Yeah, and it's, it's like, yeah, I like... get it, but at the same time, I needed something, and it was cheap and quicker to get it there. And everyone makes their own decisions about what they personally consider to be like the moral choice in one scenario. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, like, but getting back to that thing about destroying art, um, I discovered multiple cases where people had accidentally, and in some cases, maliciously destroyed works of art, history, and stuff, and suffered absolutely no um, uh, uh, recompense for it. Like, there was a case where a guy knocked over a, um, uh, was it now, a vase or something like that? Mm. It's like, okay, it's worth like this many thousands of pounds, leave the museum. Then they look at a CCTV camera and it seems he did it on purpose. Right, yeah. And even in that situation, the guy didn't get in trouble. It's like they just, he got banned from the museum. Mm-hmm. Because the museums like are very aware of the fact like suing their patrons is not a good way to do it. No, it's even in really. cases where like you actively maliciously destroy things inside of them. Most of the time they don't want to um, uh, prosecute you for doing that. And again, that was really surprising to me. That is kind of surprising. And at the same time, like, I also get it because you don't, especially with museums, like, they already must not get enough footfall as it is. Mm -hmm. They probably don't want to scare people into the idea of, like, well, if you come in and break something, then you're fucked and you get, like, sued into the ground. Yeah, if you, like, trip over your shoelaces and that, which happens mm-hmm. sometimes. You know, accidents do happen. That's what, like, in the vast majority of cases I found, except for, like, the most obvious and malicious ones. Mm-hmm. And we've got someone in chat confirming that the paint was down because bulletproof glass was in the frame. So it is protected by glass behind the frame, which is that thing of, like, it's sad, isn't it? That you can't get... Oh, you can't... right, okay. I was always under the impression the Mona Lisa is, like, um, very heavily... Cause people keep stealing it. Because when I've, when I've been to see it, it's literally been, like encased in a box of glass so you can't even like touch the physical frame so it may have been one of those things where like over the years they've gotten like more sophisticated ones that allow you to get closer to the art itself yeah that's fair yeah so yeah, I, haven't, I, I haven't been in like a little while now i just found that really interesting that even in the most malicious cases like the museums very rarely prosecute and then the other one that i found is in a lot of cases it actually draws more attention to the piece and um, like we've got the famous one the lady is that fresca of jesus to the monkey Jesus, where the lady tried to um, uh, repair that fresco and it looked like all fucked up at the end of it. You must remember monkey Jesus. It's like basically a lady tried to repair this old like um, fresco of Jesus and um, she did it so poorly that it became a meme. And as a result, that thing saw like, you know, a massive increase in tourism and visitation. And before that happened, um, it was this forgotten piece of art that no one really gave a fuck about. Then there's other examples of like modern artists, um, uh, Joe, like when they do like their uh, like pieces in museums that are like, I don't know, I think Damien Hurst. He's had a lot of his artwork thrown away because he's the guy who does like the shark in formaldehyde. Oh, right. Like installations yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of art in that vein has been accidentally thrown away by um, uh, janitors and stuff like that and cleaners. 
And uh, in most cases, I found the artist finds it funny. And it actually <laughs> increases, like, you know, attention to the artwork because, like, you know, it's a new, there's no such thing as bad publicity. And then in one case, it was an artist who's like, huh, well, I think they, their art installation was just um, uh, empty beer bottles dotted around installation mm. and the cleaner threw it away. <laughs> and the uh, the artist, in, I don't remember the name of the artist, but they said, well, I don't expect a janitor to know what art is. And the janitor was asked for um, a, uh, a comment back. He went, well, I'm not, I might not know what art is, but I know what rubbish looks like. <laughs> and it's just. <laughs> It's just that little back and forth, like again, increased footfall to that uh, particular museum. And I have just googled Monkey Jesus and found the you restoration. I, M- Monkey Jeebus. I do not remember that one bit. But that was like worldwide news. Was that? I must have been asleep that day. That was worldwide news. Yes, one of the most famously um, uh, uh, just like that, fucked like, up piece of that. You can't even call that a restoration. Jesus Christ! That's what made it funny. That like Literally, you know, and the late the lady in question's like, oh, I try to improve it. It's like, but you clearly have no artistic talent whatsoever. And I think and there's um, the case of that. Of like, I've seen it somewhere. I think it might be like, I feel like it's somewhere in Italy, maybe where there was um, like the tops of buildings had like loads of little statues across them, like the adornments yeah. and stuff. Um, and they've tried to restore them, and it's come out as like cartoon-looking little baby faces and stuff. It's like, oh no, yeah. Oh, like those old statues in Roman times where they had like huge, big swinging dongs, mm-hmm. and the Pope like asked them to remove the swinging dongs, and then another Pope came in and went, "Well, should probably put the dongs back." So they had Bring a big the dongs box. back. So they had a big box. The story is that they had a big box like in some like I think in a big the box of somewhere, somewhere of just hidden dongs. Oh my god. And, like, <laughs> And they had to send like um, uh, an expert on sculpting around to figure out which penis went on which statue. <laughs> and that's why some old statues have like, you know, the leaf on the front of them. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what they had to come up with a solution. It's like, we well, used to have a penis, but they made us carve it off and it looked bad. So we just put a leaf on there instead. Mm-hmm. But then like years later, like maybe a sculptor came back. It's like, well, I've got to put penis back on now. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that sometimes happens. So what did you do today? Oh, well, uh, you know, just put a dong back on a statue. It's uh, that old joke, isn't it, about Michelangelo? Of like, we need you to paint something on the ceiling of our church. It's like, yeah, I'll fill it with dongs, though. <laughs> and like, Michelangelo was well known for being a huge troll for the church. And mm. the famous thing that everyone probably knows and is screaming in the comments or what have you is that um, the birth of Adam looks like the inside of a brain. If you've ever seen it, yeah, if you compare the birth of Adam and you like compare it with a cross section of a brain, it looks exactly the same. And the working theory is that Leonardo da Vinci is a huge um, uh, proponent of, um, like you know, the artistic method, attended illegal secret um, uh, dissections of human bodies. Oh, uh, okay. Because it was seen as like sacred to cut body body open because it was created by God. Mm-hmm. And uh, the creation of Adam, like you know, God touching Adam's finger and stuff like that. Like, if you look, it's like the exact shape of a human brain, and it's yeah, just to be, like, I've a, reminded myself then, and like, yeah, that is the exact shape. Yeah, like a secret, um, uh, like fuck you against the church of like potentially saying that, like, you no, know, God came from the mind. God didn't create humans; humans created God because God literally exists within the mind that's there. And it's like, uh, and he got yeah. and he got away with that because obviously the people in the church didn't know what a brain looked like because yeah. they never saw inside of one. And it's one of those things like that might be one of the most like just brutal digs against religion because not only do they pay him to put it up there, they now pay to maintain it. <laughs> And it's literally Michelangelo saying God came from the mind, not the other way around. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh my god. Yeah, that's a... That's it's amazing. Google, isn't it? That's amazing because obviously they wouldn't have even known what exactly, brain looks they, like, they, so they couldn't have even well, Michael found An- out. And Michelangelo did. And it's one of those things, if anyone's at home now, just Google like the birth of Adam and brain, and you'll see it, and it's like cross-section next to each other. It's one-to-one. Mm, yeah. Like, you know, it's one of those things, like, there's no way he did that by accident. That's no coincidence, yeah. No. Like, uh, he's not an artist who did things by accident, and that's uh, a really fun thing. Yes, I did mention someone in chat saying the exact thing that I already said of dissections were illegal. Mm-hmm. Don't you love it when we say something and people <laughs> say, oh, did, oh, and they add the addendum of something I already said? <laughs> <laughs> that's just the internet in, you know, as a whole like, isn't it i um i haven't i haven't seen brain surgery before but i'm i know my sister like she worked um uh like a neuro clinic for a while mm-hmm. and basically turned around to them and was like can i come and attend like from the um like you know behind glass or whatever go and attend like open brain surgery just to see. And was just curious. I was like, why the fuck would you want to see that? And she was I don't want to like, see it after I've seen it. I'll tell you that. But it's like that thing of, when are you ever going to get an opportunity to see someone get brain surgery? Mm. Hopefully like, never. Afterwards, like, probably don't want to have seen that. But you know what? I was curious and I'm glad that I got to, um, you know, at least go through with my curiosity and it yeah. satisfy it, I guess. Get to see, like, you know, the base of all human knowledge is right there. The dong. Just like three pounds of just wet meat. Inside of like a like a bone mech suit, it's ready. It's a very um very unsettling thought. Our brains just like this weird gelatinous thing sat in some fluid, like wobbling around in our skull. Yeah, that's where everything comes from. Yeah, it's where God comes from. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's why it's, it's so like there's so much symbolism within that one image. But the most mm-hmm. basic thing you can take from it is that like God is sat is residing within the brain. It's supposed to be an image showing that God created man when it's actually the exact the thing you can take from it symbolically is that it's the exact opposite that's being mm-hmm. referred and it's just yeah that's Michelangelo in a nutshell because so the other famous story about him is one of his wealthy patrons was um Joe uh, one of those dickheads who just stands there and's like I think you should do change this 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 and this right um, yeah like he was like doing a statue of Aphrodite or something like that and it's like oh um uh, you need to fix that thing that mistake up there. It's like, what mistake? It's like, no, there's a mistake up there. I can see it on the nose. And Michelangelo's got like a handful of dust, goes up and just goes, pretends he's hit his chisel, blows the dust to make it like he hit it. And the patient's like, perfect. I knew there was a mistake. And Michelangelo's like, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> so I knew you were full of shit, but if I didn't do that, you'd bitch mm-hmm. about it the entire time. Like you only said that because you want to feel like you had him put on it. It's always the case, isn't it? Like, just sometimes... Is that even the most basic things of like working in a restaurant? Sometimes it's always worth just taking the plate back to like even I ask the chef, like, is this the right thing? Or just yep. check it, go, yeah, this is the right thing. Oh, Move yeah, stuff around the on the kitchen. plate. Yeah. Move um, it around on the plate, like, take it back obviously, out. Obviously, if anything ever needed replacing and stuff, like I'd always yep, do that's that. Fine. But it, when someone's like, I think this is wrong, I'd just be like, okay, I'll take it and go check with the kitchen. Whereas if I just stood there and said, I can, I've worked here for years, I can tell you that's correct. They're like, no, no, no. But if you take it behind the scenes and go, it's the right thing, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Like, let's go. Yeah, we've we've sorted it all out for you. Like, we've confirmed that it's the right meal. It's because they just want that thing where they sit there and they look smarter. Because you'll never mm-hmm. have someone do that when there's not other people at the table. It's that they want to look smarter in front of other people. And uh, I had it many, many times myself as well, where it's like, you know, serve someone a glass of wine. So that's the wrong temperature, is that? 
<laughs> I assure you that it's not, sir. Our wine is kept in a wine fridge, which is like very expensive. It's top of the line. It's kept at the exact temperature. I think you need to go adjust the temperature on that fridge. And I'd just like go away and i come back 10 minutes later and be like, you're right, sir. The temperature on the wine was uh, slightly too high. Just so they could get that mm. moment where they'd look and go, and look at all the people on their table. And, I'd, and as soon as they turn back around, I'd look at the other people on the table and just go, and just go. Yeah. And that you'd always get that look back from them of being like, we know. Yeah. They do this every time. They just want to feel like a smug prick. And that's the thing is, 90% of the time, I want to say, there's somebody else on that table that is like, oh, please don't do this again. Every time, yeah. Like, every time. And you just give that, the you know, the waiter or whatever it is, like the knowing nod of like, yeah, we just have to put up with this shit. Yep. So it's normally it. like a family member. I had it multiple times. Like, it always came to steaks as well. Like this steaks cooked incorrectly. And mm-hmm. it's just... I remember just one time a chef came out and he was just so fucking mad. Because he's like, you know, he'd been cooking all day and this guy's like, the steak's cooked wrong. He goes, sir, this steak is cooked correctly. And he goes, no, it's not. It's not medium rare. He goes, sir, I assure you this steak is cooked correctly. And he just pointed to his own name on the wall that just said Master Chef of England, <laughs> awarded to him by like fucking British School of Culinary Arts. And went, uh, sir... I, and if you have you got one of these no and he goes then you don't know what you're talking about and walk back in and the chef set his own hours so there was no he couldn't complain because like the chef was mm-hmm. the one in charge of the restaurant it was a chef's restaurant <laughs> I um yeah I I find like the 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 fun way to get around that is when restaurants I went to a steak place where it was like oh you get like the hot stone and you cut the meat and put it on yourself it's like obviously they'll like braise the outside and mm-hmm. do it like really like blue but then from there you get like a hot stone to cook as as you would like for the rest of the um the meat and it's like well that way they can't complain at you because they're the ones that have inevitably cooked it wrong <laughs> and they're going to cook it wrong and ask for another one yet yeah. well they can't ask for another one towards the complaint is well i cooked this wrong that's your oh, problem, that's, on, that's on you then that's like, so the other one do. is like um serving steaks with like you know the fat on the edge and complains like, i don't want the fat on my steak it's like that's where the flavor comes from so like, no i want like i pay for this steak why is there so much fat on it because you're paying for the fat the fat is where mm-hmm. all the flavor is that's like that's why it's so expensive because that is like the absolute most that is a delicacy right there that is like going to make your meat just like buttery smooth because i'm a person if we cut that, that off there'll be no flavor i i prefer to cut the fat off my you know for example my bacon and like it's a yeah. lot easier over in the UK because, you know, we have like the ham type bacon where it's all on the outside of the cut. But when you've got a steak, it's like you're paying but, for the fat and they're well, like requesting yeah. that it be cut off. But I still will cook my food with the fat on it because I know that mm. that's where the flavour is. And then the excess fat that's left, trim that off. It's just a baffling to see of like, and then as well, they're so convinced that they're right. Mm-hmm. That they're sat there like. It's like the classic is serving people like a starter, like um, cold. Like I think gazpacho soup and stuff like that served cold. And like, oh, my soup's cold. So that's how it's served, sir. It's like, I'd prefer it warm. It goes, that's not how it's served, though. Because mm-hmm. no, soups should always be hot. Well, not all soup. Like, this is gazpacho. It's served, historically, it's served cold. Yeah. And it's um, the, the classic thing, isn't it, of like something where either it's meant to be cold or it's meant to be served a certain way and they don't, understand what that means on the menu and they order it anyway thinking it sounds fancy yeah which i don't well, mind like, if someone says like oh this or i thought it'd be something else like usually like, okay we can get you something else but we'll probably like, you know charge you for this meal mm-hmm. or we're like yeah, you know we'll give course. you the new meal at like for the same cost but it's um 
you know, one of those of, well, if you weren't sure what it meant, could you not have asked that before you ordered it? Yeah, which is usually what we say. Like, if you had a mistake, sir, like, don't feel embarrassed to ask us. Mm-hmm. If you're not sure about something on the menu, like, and I will get replaced. And uh, just as long as you're aware that, and if they're not a dick about it, it'd be like, if they're not a dick about it, it's like, fine, no, I'll have this. Or one of the staff will have it. But if they're yeah. a huge bell end of like, well, this is not my fault. It's like, well, I'm going to charge you for that meal. Yeah, 100%. Just, just determines like where that conversation is going to go. How they if, like, if they're really you, nice and they're yeah. apologetic, it's like, okay, I'll replace it. I'll get you something else. Like, we'll take this away unless someone else on the table would like it. Or if there's something you know it's here. But if they're a huge dick, like, this is your fault. It's like, well, I'm going to charge you for it. Because now well, you ordered it. Away, but you know you what? Ordered. You could fucking pay for it. And it's baffling to me that, like, there's still so many people out there. Even though this information is, like, so publicly talked about now and so publicly memed about and stuff, there's of still people so many people. In restaurants who are assholes to to people working, you know, retail, restaurants and stuff. It's like, we're the ones at the end of the day that's going to decide how this goes down. If you're an arse to us, we're going to make it your life's hell. That's the thing that it does work every now and again. Because all those cases, you see people get called out for it. A very minor case, like every person who works in retail, every person who works oh, in no, restaurant. I don't mean being called out for it. I more mean how many people in our situation where it's like, well, yeah, I'm going to sort out their problem, but because they're being an ass, they're going to get the, the shit end of the stick. Yeah, and that's the thing, but it doesn't happen all. It doesn't happen consistently enough where it's still not worth it in to put a lot of people's it cases. It probably like, does, but they just don't realize it does because they yeah. don't realize there was ever an alternative. Because they're an asshole. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, they don't know that if they were, you know, nice about the situation, they would have got the exact same resolution, but they would have had to pay less or whatever, or they would have got an extra like apology you know dessert or whatever it have or extra discount or whatever it's the old thing isn't it of um you get you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar yeah yeah and it's the whole thing of like um something i recommend people do who are listening to this if like they want to just try and get their hand at free stuff is a bit of advice for you if there's a product that you like or like you know a thing that you enjoy um, like maybe kind of food, like kind of cereal you like, or a chocolate bar, or tea bags, any like you know thing that in your house that you quite like. Check the back of the box. There'll no doubt be a thing for email or letters mm-hmm. to send complaints and queries. Just if you send them an email saying hi, just want to let you know that I'm a I'm a really big fan of this product. I really enjoy using it. It makes my day. Or it's like my kid's favorite. Or you know I was having a rough day and this cup of tea would feel good. You might very well get if you like you know just close it off with like so and so. Uh, your address or what have you you might get a bunch of free stuff from that company or it's not gonna happen every time ignore you and say like nothing or they might might get like thank you or whatever yeah you might get stuck you but there's a very good chance that they'll send you free stuff Mm -hmm. for being nice it's the same thing if you like go into a restaurant like i had this multiple times where people come into a restaurant like you know and be like um oh hey and do you need a table no no, i was in last night and you just really looked after my table Mm -hmm. i just wanted to say thank you for that because i was in town and I just want to say, like, thank you. And say, oh, wow. Um, okay, just wait here a minute, sir. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's a discount. And next time you're in, like, 20% off or something like that, or a glass mm-hmm. of wine. Yeah, and um, it's just, like... It's, and it doesn't work every time, but that, that's... Yeah, the odds are, like, for every, you know, four or five times you do it, you might get it one thing back. And but there's still the chance of you getting something back, and I will always... Um, if in... Within my power, you know, working in a situation like that, I would always endeavour to to treat those people nicely and give them an incentive to come back. 
And I have had that situation where someone's tried to do that and they're very clearly not being sincere. And they've been trying to do it to try and get the free stuff and normally you can weed those people out. And like I remember, and the moment they don't get their own way. I remember this happening once with like my manager and it was like, I think it was like a day apart where one person came in and was like, look, um, we did have like a, a nice time last night, but like I think I got overcharged by a little bit. Um mm-hmm. And just like my manager straight away was like, oh, well, what did you get overcharged by? And they were like, oh, just... I think we got overcharged by like a glass of wine or something. They said, they were like, right, okay, um, yeah, I'll I'll just like check yesterday's like till and stuff. Like, what time we win? Oh yeah, mm. I can see that it was a meal with a glass of wine on. Yeah, okay, here's the money. Um, but then like a day later, oh. they got someone on the phone shouting down like, oh, we got fucked over last night. Like, I demand a refund or I demand like a you know um a, a chicken check. They call it in Nando's for like free meals. Yeah, and they sat down on the phone with this person, screaming at them for like an hour, going through like CCTV and receipts and stuff, making sure that they found out. No, you didn't actually get ripped off. You paid the right amount. Fuck just you. to prove them wrong, and just like they went straight into spite mode of like, no, I'm gonna go out of my way to make sure you get fuck all now. We're gonna we're gonna specifically tailor this situation so you walk away from it feeling worse. Mm-hmm. Because you came into this situation, like that's the thing as well. If they're just being like reasonable, it's like okay, they might be lying, but I can't be asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck it. And that's what they were hoping for. They were hoping that they'd have that response. But the thing about I don't want to deal with the person being aggressive. Mm-hmm. And the thing it does work, and it works enough for people to like you know be willing to do that. It's like the whole thing of like you know men being aggressively uh, flirting with women. Mm-hmm. It's like it doesn't work all the time, but there is enough women out there who are so uncomfortable or just like fine, fuck it, I'll give you my phone number, so you shut up and leave me alone. Mm-hmm. That guys see it as a valid tactic to use because like you know it doesn't work every time, but. It's, one situation where a woman will be uncomfortable and just give them the fucking um, uh, number to get them out of there. It's like, well, there we go, done. Yeah, and like a lot of the time it's either, depending on how the situation goes, like I'll write a number down, give them the number, and it's the wrong number, I'll walk away. Or it'll be, well, if they decide person to be, well, I'll ring you right now, like let me see your phone. They'll let them ring, answer it, see the guy save the contact, walk away, block that number. Immediately. Immediately. Just- Okay, job's done now. I can get on with my life. Like they can leave me the fuck alone now. And they know they won't. So we had that when we went to what the live event, wasn't it? I I got that message like the day after of like, oh, I was chatting to a girl there and never got a number. Can you get a number for me? I'm like, no, I'm not gonna do that. And the guy's like, why not? Because because that would be a breach of their privacy. Mm-hmm. Why would I do that? Why would I ruin my reputation so you can go harass a woman? And it's like one of those things as well, though. I remember being like younger and just starting to go out drinking and like trying to chat with girls and stuff and i was definitely in that situation where i was a drunk guy probably being a bit pushy and then going away like oh well that that wasn't fair blah 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 and then like then you know get growing a bit more mature and having a bit more perspective and talking to women about these scenarios that they've been through it's like oh no like just you know a lot of people get really scary pushy creepy people and you know, then there's even the chance that it wouldn't just be that someone's being pushy. Oh no, Carl's gone. No, it's just the lights in the office went off. It's probably doing a power oh, cycle. Carl's not been moving enough. Yeah, it's the end of the day, isn't it, for a lot of people? Because tomorrow's off. Oh, uh, right. Well, so so there's, no, there's actually no one in the office right now. They're all At like... three um, o'clock on a three-day well, yeah. week. Yeah. You'd think you know they could mate? at least push like to a bit of overtime on that third day. No, people have already like, gone in. So. Right, 
jobs done, four and a three half o'clock, weekend. <laughs> three o'clock on a Wednesday, fucking done, nailed it. I um yeah, that's weird. Of like we're already getting two days off. Might as well make sure we get like two days at, at, like two hours less working on the Wednesday. If Liz wanted to ensure that the monarchy manages to maintain, if she gave us the week off, I guarantee she would have got like she would have had the entire youth generation immediately turn around and abolishing the monarchy. If we knew that every couple of years we get a full week off. Like she should have taken like, you know, a bit of that personal fortune that she's got and just funded to give everyone Monday off as well. <laughs> give us a five day weekend mm. and just call it fucking like But no. No. Either way. Oh, speaking of which what? it doesn't matter because I, w- I guess like we can move on to um uh, talking about you know the things we've done this week. I'm just gonna go for a whatever. quick bathroom break so I can sort out these lights. I was gonna say, yeah, whatever it is. I'm gonna uh, take a bathroom break and go sort this out dead quick. No worries, I'll run the toilet, so I'll pop us on so the break screen for everyone watching live and uh, we'll be back in a minute. So um, for, I don't think I can fix the lighting because when I went out <laughs> to check, uh, there's just like a guy in a t-shirt with like a tool belt on going like this. <laughs> so I think it might have been I'm not sure if it's I don't think the building is completely shut down. I just think someone must have left uh, some like, light must have gone off somewhere mm-hmm. so um, uh, the people watching the video after the fact so you have to see me in dark mode but that Dear is all good but uh, you know we can move on from that because Lucas let's talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi Obi-Wan Kenobi and yes the show to clarify have I seen episode week. 1 and not 2 uh, well, this is the thing, like, I got, I think I put a tweet out where I said, like, I got 20 minutes into the first episode before I was hit by the profound realisation, I simply do not give a shit about anything that's happened in this <laughs> How universe How did it anymore. take you that long to realise? It, it, it took me 20 minutes, it was, I'm seeing the episode, I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, as you and McGregor, yeah. oh, it's, it's Tatooine, and I just went, I don't care. I, I literally do not give a fuck about anything that's going to happen in the show, but mm. I have to watch it because every time I'm going to stream, I'm going to get asked if I've seen it. Of course, yes. So I just had to like, no, just, and I, so I did that thing where I just pulled my switch out and just held it in front of my face and then pulled it down just a little bit every time action happened mm. and then put it back up. Oh, there we go. The lights are back now. Yay. So, so the guy with the tall belt on the t-shirt, anymore. he must have fixed it all for us. That could have happened during recording. That'd be very funny. Yeah, at least that happened during a fact. At least most people are consuming this in like the audio version. It is indeed. Why? How did you feel about the Obi Wan Kenobi show? Well, as I said, I think about one thing, and it's that fucking chase scene. Okay, so let's talk about this. So, it's first episode is like just it's scene setting, isn't it? It's like here's Obi Wan, here he is on Tatooine. Like, and oh, you of look, course get he's overlooking Luke and you get the cringy ass shot of like a little baby Luke Skywalker running around. But I will say it I'm I'm glad that they acknowledge pod racing because it makes perfect sense that like oh well why is Luke a good pilot? Oh cuz like his father who was really into pod racing as a kid. Isn't you just never saw it in the original film. Because pod racing wasn't in existence and like it wasn't a thought in their head at that time and they make it up as they go along, like people don't like to acknowledge, but yeah. But it makes, and that's one of those like extended universe fan theories. Like, do you think Darth Vader kept up with pod racing? <laughs> do you think like he had like a pod racing station in his like helmet or anything? Anyway, is that how they secretly then... um, figured out where Luke was? He's like, he just was watching pod racing. Darth Vader's so like, what do you mean Skywalker? What Skywalker? Who's using my fucking name? He's pod racing, but uh, yeah, you get like you know the cringy ass shot of the little baby Luke Skywalker, and then you smash cut 
to the luckier of the Skywalker mm. twins in their fucking palatial mansion. And like, obviously, it's one of those things where, yeah, even you in always the original trilogy, yeah. it's like moisture farmer luke and princess leia end up being siblings and it's like but well, like and then at the end of the prequels it's like okay they go to different planets but the fact that like they're now exploring this and you see like luke skywalker like dirt farmer on a fucking desert planet where you've got to farm water running around playing with a fucking stick and then princess leia on his like in a mansion and i it's think like, why did they split them up i think it's been like 10 years since i've watched episode three so i don't know if they address it or not but i don't and i don't know if this is the actual line or whether they've like redid the line for this show but like just the idea that bail organa sat there and went oh well there's been two kids one's a, one's like a son and one's a daughter well we have always wanted a girl and just Next then fucked fuck off the boy and just bye, send him well, to the, the fucking dirt planet. I think this thing is like, oh, if we keep them separate, um, we can hide who they are a lot easier mm-hmm. because if there's two. But then again, they send Luke Skywalker to a fucking desert planet instead of the giant mansion full of armed guards. Now, where would he be safer, really? Mm-hmm. Well, on the desert planet? The armed guards thing, yeah. didn't do a very fucking good job in episode one. Which they? leads us to, Lucas, the chase oh, scene. So hell. Explain the chase scene. The chase scene is um, what I can only imagine a girl who's about eight years old, Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe younger, maybe older. I'm not very good with children's ages, but like. No. She's, she's probably no older than 10. Being chased by three, you know, fully grown adult alien people who are all clearly able to run a lot quicker than she is. Yeah, and it's supposed to be like this tense scene where the little baby Princess Leia is running away from people trying to kidnap her. And it's one of those things where you can see the storyboard for it, can't you? Mm-hmm. You can see in the script, it's like, you know, a young Princess Leia run, definitely runs through the forest using her, like, you know, small, wide frames. that she's, like, constantly in the forest in the show. Like, oh, she's in the forest again. So clearly she has, you know, a better understanding of the forest and, like, climbs trees a lot more than these these aliens must do but, but the, the problem is they've hired an actress who's like as you said like six or eight years old and they're running i describe it like join the kids in rugrats would run <laughs> yeah. and kid, they do that thing where they lean all the way back and they run with their hands like a cat mm-hmm. because they don't physically know how to run properly because their bodies are out of proportion at that age mm-hmm. and it's this little kid doing the little kid running thing as adults who could clearly catch up something like three or four strides are like trying to pretend not to be able to catch her and it's yeah. so bad. And what makes it even worse is that like Princess Leia ducks under a tree branch, the woman chasing her, who should have caught her by now, looks at said tree branch, starts running again, slightly runs into this tree branch without even attempting to duck underneath it, and then bounces off it as if it's some like immovable, unblockable, like completely invisible wall that she cannot get past and not like a, a loose tree branch they could push to the side and just and a keep singular running. little tree branch that's like well that stumped me and then literally. they literally yeah literally and they do the same with she jumps over a little bit of tree like root t- or something a one foot high log and then like a guy just absolutely eats shit guy over is it completely baffled by the existence of trees and just like fucking face plants and then they have an extended few seconds where Leia is running in a perfectly straight line but like with them chasing behind them not catching up which then cuts to them being ahead of her 
And it does that thing where, like, he should be able to... He has his arms out, like, is right mm-hmm. in front of him, and kind of, instead of just grabbing her, he keeps his arms out and, like, kind of waves from side to side as Leia walks very slowly away from him. And it's that thing of, like, you can see the scene in the script. Yeah. And it's like, if the actress would have been a little bit older, I mean, it'll actually, you know, run. And it reminds me, it's the exact opposite. Have you seen The Irishman? No, I didn't watch The Irishman. Can I say, in The Irishman, they have, like, a fight scene in it involving... Uh, Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. But Robert De Niro was like 70 fucking years old at the time. And for many of the scenes, you know when he's supposed to be younger? Because it they shows the his life. Him, yeah. They de-aged him, which looks fine for when he's acting, but they have a fight scene. And it's clearly a 70-year-old Robert De Niro shuffling over as like he pushes this guy over. And he's like, you do not buy for one second that he's a young man. Mm-hmm. It, it's just an old man who's been de-aged. It's like, and it's the opposite of that. It's like, it's clearly a child running away. It's like, Joe, when kids chase you, or you kids ask you to chase, and you know you could catch me in five seconds. Like when you're playing you know, like, tag with them or whatever, yeah. Yeah, or like hide and seek. And you know you could get them in like, you could just run, you'd be there in like, the no chance. Mm-hmm. And you have to pretend not to be able to run very fast to give them a chance. Yeah. It's like that, but it's supposed to be a tense action scene where I'm supposed to believe that these trained assassins can't catch this child. It's like, <laughs> they might as well put the fucking Rugrats sound they effect over well, top yeah. of it. Oh, it's just, oh, it's baffling. And it's the, the thing, like we said earlier, it's like, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Like, it's competently made, but one of the things that really stuck out to me is like, I was watching it and like, why is Ewan McGregor so shit? And I mean, like, his delivery is fucking awful. What's going on here? Oh, no. Because they've got to direct him like he was in the prequels. And in the either prequels... Th- either that or he is, you know, saying to them, I want to emulate that performance, yeah. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, like, oh, yeah, he's been directed so poorly because he's having to act like he did in the prequels, which was directed by George Lucas, mm-hmm. who was infamously um, micromanaging the fuck out of everyone. And every time they tried to do anything beyond, like, the direction in the script, he'd tell them not to do it. Apart from for because- Ian McDermott, apparently. Because Ian McDermott was like, you know, an old school actor who was like, could just shut up. Is that every I know what I'm doing. got told to do nothing and be as bland as possible and just channel all that energy into the chancellor? Yeah. So he was the only one who was apparently allowed to um, go off script because he's he's like, he's evil. Mm. And that's the thing of when people don't know why is the direction so bad, why you're shitting on it. It's because George Lucas explicitly told every actor playing a Jedi... So essentially, every actor on screen for ninety percent of the film, especially in like Revenge of the Sith, yeah, is that Jedi don't show emotion, so you should be as reserved as possible at all times, so that all their performances are stilted and wooden. Mm-hmm. And as a result, in this Obi Wan show, and on top of that, um, uh, Ewan McGregor was trying to act like oh, what's his name Alec again now, Alec McGuinness, which also added another level to his performance that made it not his own. Because that was just a guy that didn't believe in a movie and just didn't give a shit. Just Which, it a was even funnier. Because Alec McGuinness also didn't give So it's Ewan McGregor trying to act like someone who didn't give a shit, who has been told to act poorly on purpose, and is now 10 years later, 15 years later, having to emulate that performance again. So it was like three levels removed, and it's like it's just every... It's like doing like an artifact of JPEG. Where every yeah. time you save the image, it gets a little bit worse. It's like every step removed from Alec McGuinness's original performance, it just gets worse. And it's weird, isn't it? Because they have a scene near the very start, and it's not really like a spoiler or anything. Uh, it's just, you know what? He's doing a bit of bartering with a Jawa 
and it's meant to be mm-hmm. like quippy dialogue you know very marvel mcu-esque very prequel-esque of like very ewan mcgregor-esque very ewan mcgregor-esque yeah you would because he, he loves being he obi-wan could perform it very well but instead, he just stands there and talks very plainly to this Jawa. And, and, like, he, and, he, and he has no emotion. He doesn't move. But like, he makes a joke and then still has no emotion in the joke. Even though you... Like, and that's the thing as well. Like Alec McGuinness's uh, performance, he never really had any humour about him. Mm-hmm. He was very wry. Cause, uh, but, and like very... Um, uh, like, not sarcastic, but in that way, he was like, you know, a bit... Um, uh, witty i suppose mm. the right way to it. like it was never a funny character mm-hmm. and then all the humor from the prequels largely comes from people memeing on how bad it was yes and and it's just but it's, it's like it's a line of you know oh um if you're gonna if you're gonna like steal my parts to sell them back to me you could at least clean them first and he just says it so matter of fact because that's the direction that he's got to do because they can't change the character too much. He has mm-hmm. to be the same character he was in the prequels, and in the prequels he was an awful character. Yeah, so I don't care what anyone says about those movies. Like the acting is awful yeah. because the direction was terrible. Mm-hmm. The actors are good. There's a reason All the why there's are great. so many memes in it. Like because the acting so was many, so bad. Obviously, the ob- the most obvious one is like the sand line, but again. He got told to deliver it like that. Hayden Christensen yeah, got told that that was the correct delivery of that line, and Hayden Christensen doesn't like. It. And you can see that he's visibly pissed off in that shot. Mm-hmm. And like, he's telling out the shot they use shows Hayden Christensen being annoyed that he has to deliver it like that. Because that's the only shot they got. So, and something that gets mixed up when we talk about this is like, oh, they think we're making fun of the actors. Like, no, the actors are all great. Like Samuel Jackson's in that movie, and he gives a shit performance, an awful performance, but. I and, would never sit there and say, like, I think Samuel L. Jackson, of all people, is a bad fucking actor. No, but he had bad direction. Mm-hmm. And now they're having to replicate the bad direction that they had. And it's like, like again, why? Ewan McGregor, great actor, super charming and witty and handsome. And then he gets given, like, wooden slate of a character to be. The instant that he puts the costume on, mm-hmm. like, I would much rather they just said, fuck it, just let Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen just talk. In every interview they've given, when it's just them as such actors. such good chemistry. Yeah, talking about how much they love Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I can't wait to get back. And then you see him on screen, and he's just like... So he's not... You're not doing anything. <laughs> There's nothing happening. It's so bad. It's amazing. It's like... And it all goes back to George Lucas. And that's that where I, that thing I saw the other day that I just... When we were um, uh, playing Smash, I think I mentioned it, about that Hard Drive article of... Hans, we asked Harrison Ford what his favourite Han Solo moment was, and he just responded, I wish George Lucas would die. <laughs> it's just... And that is satire yeah. to, to anyone that doesn't know the hard drive. It's satire, but it's just that thing of, like, you can understand it, because, like, he is such a bad director. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, he managed to micromanage the shit out of that series, and, like, everyone gives a universally bad performance, except for the Emperor... Who was mentioned was the only one who was allowed to have fun and show emotion because Sith are allowed to be emotive. And, um, and it's like, just to... that's why Hayden Christensen, when he's Darth Vader, he actually starts emoting more because he's allowed to. It's um, one of those things, isn't it? Like you even putting out, yeah, George Lucas was the guy that directed the first movie so badly that his wife at the time that was the editor had to save the cut. And, the then, and then the he next one, he had... himself from being the director of the probably the two best Star Wars movies. Yeah, and then he had full, complete control of the prequels, which are just universally considered to be awful. Mm-hmm. They have some parts in them that are good, but that's mostly like mimetic um, uh, 
change it. It's, um, that's largely mimetic, and a lot of people view them with rose-tinted glasses. Yeah. Like, they are ironically enjoyable. Like and in the sequels... A, I was going to say, there was, a, there was a post going around recently of, like... I don't know if it's an old or new post, but it was just, come on, like, what what is the internet doing of just a Reddit post getting upvoted? I think that the um, original trilogy should get brought in line with that of the prequels or the sequels. That's all it is. Because they've it's got because so much better CGI and stuff. To... <sighs> it's because people watch the prequels, ironically. Mm-hmm. Well, they, it's like, they're, but they're too stupid to realize that you're supposed to be enjoying this ironically. And they're just because they're being told to enjoy it. It's just that thing of like, um, uh, it's almost like group mentality of like, Joey, you know when people are in a crowd and someone cheers. And even if you're not really feeling like cheering, you'll still cheer. It's like that. Mm. We're watching a movie. It's like so many people tell you that you should enjoy this thing that they do. And they, so like, as a result, they convince themselves that the prequel trilogy is good because all they see in their peripheral is people telling them that it is, but they don't realize they're enjoying it ironically. It's kind of um, the the trap that you fall into a lot when you, you know, a lot younger of, say, for example, being told like, oh, this classic movie is incredible. And, um, and you're afraid like, to say, like, yeah. say, oh, I don't like it because like, you've been told that it's good. And it's like, yeah, it's okay to say you don't like it. By so many people that you'll watch it and maybe you don't understand it or maybe you don't think it's very good or what have you, but you will just kind of roll along with it of like, oh, yeah, that, I guess that was a great movie because everyone else told like, oh, me what it was did, a great movie. And what did you like about it? And usually when you're younger, you lack the ability to explain why you do because you don't have critical thinking skills that are as developed as an adult. It happens. And it's okay when you say, I don't like it. Happens you might not have the ways a... to explain it, but as you get older, you will. I watched Goodfellas when I was like 14, 15 mm. and was just there like, I guess boring. it was a good movie. Yeah, like That's the thing for me. Yeah, it's I, I find I it boring. it was. Like... People told me it was a good movie, and I didn't actively hate it, so I guess it's a great movie, yeah. Like, mm. And then kind of, you know, I rewatch it now, and I'm like, well, I understand now why I like it now, but I didn't as a kid. I can watch movies like that. But I appreciate why people do like it. I can see the acting's very good, the direction's very good, the way it's framed is very good, the story's very good. Mm. But personally, I don't like this kind of movie. Mm. It's that thing of, like, I am able to look at it in an objective way and say, it is on paper objectively a good movie, but it's not a movie that I like. Yeah. And that's a distinction not a lot of people are able to draw. Of like, you can like something and it'd be bad. And you can also think something is good and not like it. Yeah. And, um, the, like you, something doesn't necessarily have to be good for it to be enjoyable. Yeah. I will say, like, and Ryan in chat is saying, like, the, the fight scenes in the prequels were, like, better. And I agree to an extent. Like, not all of them were great. Attack of the Clones has kind of not got the best action for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's like the Yoda fight scene, which is just blah. blah like. But at the same time, memetically, I think it's, it's it elevated it to another level of mm. the ironic enjoyment I get watching that. Oh, yeah. It's so yeah. hilarious because it's just so stupid. Just watching CGI Yoda just like backflip everywhere. But watching, you know, the Darth Maul fight scene, like the action in that is great. The Watching the Mustafar fight is great. Like my favorite bit is when Darth Maul just starts like trying to burn Ewan McGregor's fingers and he's like tss, tss. and you're looking like this is like good job good job Darth Maul like, tss, he tss. looks like a guy that would burn your fingers and enjoy it though yeah he's like he's having fun I can't wait for him I can't wait for him to come back with robot legs he's gonna come back with robot legs and fight Ewan McGregor it was a character that 
it was just purely a cool visual, and admittedly, it was very cool visual. At, At the but time, lasted yeah. so long because they brought him back yeah. so many times. We had that thing in the in the playthrough we did, like what Force Unleashed, where we talk about how like Darth they Darth Maul is not a character; he is a visual. Mm-hmm. Like he is a visual that was designed to sell movie posters and toys. Mm-hmm. And the amount of people like, no, he's a real character. And they always said the same thing in the extended universe. Like, no, it's that thing. In the movies, he's not a character. No, because the, in the, the canon of the movies, be, he has. Well, in Star Wars Rebels, it's like, no, that's not what episode one is. The... Yeah, it's like, oh, in the Clone Wars TV show, it's like, that wasn't canon. Mm-hmm. That wasn't invented. Like, yeah, going by, like, in the realm, if you view the movie just as it exists, when it was released, he is not it's a like, character. Look, we were all kids that thought he was badass, okay? Mm-hmm. Look, uh, just we'll, we can just be safe and admit we can all say he that. looked fucking cool and he had a double-ended lightsaber and it was awesome. But, then pe- but people lack the critical thinking ability to like pass those two things being different. It's like, okay, this extended universe, that exists. That does expand his character as it exists right now. But looking at the movie as it existed at the time, ignoring that, he did not have a character. Viewing it through the lens of what people at the time were able to, without the benefit of the hindsight we have, mm-hmm. he is not a character. He doesn't do any. He has like three lines of dialogue. And it's so weird to me. The weirdest thing to me is that they got Peter Serafanowicz to do the voice. Yeah. Like they got a different voice actor in for like three, four lines. It is so confusing. And now it's Sam Witwer. Yeah, for the uh, the animated versions, who was Peter Seraf- the um, the person the that apprentice. played Starkiller, the apprentice in the yep. Force Unleashed. He also does the voice. He also does the voice of the Emperor in um, animated series as well, because he's like a huge Star Wars nerd. And it's that thing of like people lack the ability to pass that information. It's like um, we we get that all the time, don't we? Mm. Where we'll talk and people will always say, but in the extended universe, like one that happened recently with um, a video we released, um, where I mentioned offhand about like the Witch King in um, Lord of the Rings, where I say, oh, oh yeah, the Witch yeah. King, he gets stabbed in the back of the leg by a, a dagger, and he goes down his ass, even though he's like saying, no man can kill me. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of comments saying, well, in the books, that's an enchanted dagger, that one of the... It's like, yeah, in the books, mm-hmm. the films aren't the books because they're films, not books. Yeah. But like the amount of people who are like don't seem to be able to draw that distinction of like, well, in the books, yeah, it's an except, but that's not what tell The movie does not tell you it's enchanted. So if you watch the movies as they exist, that is, not inf- yeah. that is information you are not given. And um, but, I, I was going to say, did you see as well that apparently like the there was like previews that came up for that Smeagol game, the, the Gollum game? If you're not um, doing fucking drop kicks. Well, no, Smeagol, basically it's almost entirely a stealth game with a like, you know, instant fail bullshit like... Okay, done. Um, that. Well, that so it's going to be a bad game, probably, because I hate that kind of mechanic. But um, there's a couple of takedowns that you can do, but they're like stamina based, and you can't take down all enemies and this kind of crap. It should be the easiest stealth game ever because you've got the fucking one ring. Well, no, you don't. Oh, because he's on his quest he's, to get the one. Joe, you know they should be then. It's Joe, can save that game to track the hobbits getting. You know, and I think it leads up to where they find him in, um, is it Fellowship at the end that they find him? Yeah. Do you know what that should be then? A new game plus, do you like in um, Metal Gear Solid, you get stealth camera. <laughs> yeah. New game plus should be of the one ring and it's just you're invisible the entire time. Um, but it's anyway, apparently yes. that game is like getting greenlit because they're trying to get away from how 
like gory Lord of the Rings has been. You know that shitty Tolkien estate that is in charge of it. That, oh like, yeah. You don't like how violent the video games and the movies were because that's not as violent as the books were. And it's like he was writing about battles and wars and like what did you think the battle, was happening? The Battle of the Five Armies. I know, like, the original Hobbit is just a children's story. No, not everyone was there with Nerf guns, Carl. Like, what did they think? Apparently, they were like, yeah, "Yeah, these movies are way too violent. It's like... Like, maybe the Hobbit movies are too violent, because the Hobbit was literally a children's book. Tolkien wrote that for his kids. But those Hobbit, those Lord of the Rings books are about a battle for Middle-earth. And, like, Sauron is, like, an evil monster who's, like obliterating entire armies with a single swing of his mace. I haven't read the books, but all I can imagine is that those books are maybe not written in like a lot of gory detail, but at the same time, they are depicting a, a lot giant of people die war where lots of battles and death happen. And I'm like, how is this a series where you thought violence was not going to be applicable? It's about war. It's like based <laughs> on Tolkien's experience in World War One. Oh, is it? Oh, right. Yeah. He was in World War One. It's like, you know, so it's one of the things, it's like a criticism of that, of like, mm. you know, Mordor, you know, the industrialization creeping over. Yeah. You know, yeah. the fertile, like, land of peace. And, like, you know, there's the machinations of war just ravaging the lands and, like, you know, just, just stripping it of resources and men. Fair, yeah. I kind it's of, pretty, you know, I, when you... I struggle with, like, trying to think of the context that was written in because I just know it's like, well, that is an old book. That's In my <laughs> brain, I'm just like, that is old book. I don't remember when it was written and what context it was written yet. That's fair, yeah. But it's like based on his experience in World War One. That's fair. And yeah. It's one of those things that once it's pointed out, it's very easy and obvious. It is when you. It's say easy it, to yeah. see and obvious to um, think about like the implications of. Mm-hmm. I hate the Tolkien estate. It's awful, isn't it? I fucking hate it. And um, but it's I... like just if he was alive today, it'd be like fucking sick. Yeah. He'd love it. Like, if he saw that, wow, she loves a sexy spider lady, that's sick, that, <laughs> oh, God, no. He must love that shit. And that's one of the things I said, I got a, a long rambling email about that Witch King thing. Mm-hmm. And I just wrote back of like, if you want to say the, the the books and the films are distinct canons on their own, like the same source, like, so same source with the distinct canons, mm-hmm. that means that the um, uh, the games are canon as well, which means sexy she lobbies canon. <laughs> if you want to say that the book like anything revealed in the books is canon to the films mm-hmm. that means stuff introduced in the film should be canon to the books as well it should work both ways god sexy shelob why sexy shelob you don't want to have sex with a giant spider and I know, I know it is that like shelob is some crazy powerful godlike being or some bollocks but it's like why did they have to make spider. her a sexy woman it's much f- funnier when it's just a giant spider mm-hmm. But that was one I got a lot of, like, well, in the books, it's like, yeah. You know what you say, like, you know, you mentioned the word book. And a book is not a film. And we were criticising the movie. The movie, yes. And some people are seemingly unable to pass that they're like, different Do you remember things. in that movie where the shot lasted very long with him being able to un- not do anything? Mm-hmm. And it looks really stupid because she just monologues at him while he could have done literally anything in the context of the movies without knowing yeah. that that's an enchanted blade. It just looks silly as fuck. And they never say that. And even if they... There might be a deleted scene it where they mention it. It might be in like the extended trilogy, but again, that wasn't in the theatrical court. So watching the version that was released to the public, it looks stupid. Same thing with like all Star Wars stuff, like when we talk like Darth Vader, like Darth Maul's not a character. We're well, using the extended universe. Yes, but the extended universe is not in the film. Mm-hmm. 
And I meant and to say that earlier, they are distinct like, entities. Did you see as well, like that Sam Witwer is such a fucking nerd that he's like, well, um, he wants to be back in, yeah, yeah, he wants to but be back it was in. Like, there was some background thing in one of the Star Wars, I think it was like Book of Boba Fett episode, yeah, where it confirms like a trooper that only existed in the Force Unleashed games or something, which means that the Force Unleashed is canon, which makes the yeah. the Star Killer canon. And he's like, Sam, we get it that you like Star Wars. Calm down. He also, as well, really wants to get paid. Yes, yeah, I'm sure he does. And speaking of wanting to get paid, did you see the C-3PO cameo? In, I, um, d- I did Obi-Wan. think to myself, oh, is that C-3PO in the background? Then they shoot immediately to a different protocol droid that clearly isn't mm. C-3PO. And I'm like, oh, that must be mistaken. It must just see that there's protocol droids in the scene. Nope. It is C-3PO. Because if you watch it with subtitles, I watch all things with subtitles on. He is subtitled as C-3PO. And that, to me, is like the ultimate example of that sandwich. Like the, the actor wants to get paid. Mm-hmm. Because Anthony Daniels, if people don't know, the actor who plays C-3PO, is a huge prick. A legendary prick. Apart from to the... the, like, is double saying that he's a lovely guy. I can't remember that. Yeah, so we can talk about that. So I have actually been um, yelled at by proxy by Anthony Daniels. So we released a video many years ago now where we talked about the fact that Anthony Daniels is convinced that nobody else but him can ever play C-3PO. Mm-hmm. And um, like some of the key details from that include that um, uh, during the sequel trilogy, um, as a courtesy, a lot of the original actors were asked they wanted to come back. So Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca, was asked, would you like to come back and play Chewbacca? Mm-hmm. And Peter Mayhew at the time was very old, um, didn't have a lot of mobility at the time, so we'll put you in the costume for a couple of shots. The shots next to Han, that'll be you. No, bring a stunt actor in because you're an old man. Mm-hmm. You, you you can't physically like you know deal with this um, for extended lengths of time. But uh, you know, as a courtesy to you, so uh, you know, in acknowledgement of the fact that you are Chewbacca, you get to be in a couple of scenes. You get to hang around on set, and then a stunt man will come in. And I think the stunt man even said that he refuses to tell people which scenes are him. Oh right, just in respect to maintain. To out of respect for Peter Mayhew being the original guy. Mm-hmm. Um, likewise, with like a bunch of like original actors who got like you know voice cameos, like Hugh McGregor got reached back out to. Do you know when Ray picks up the lightsaber? Mm-hmm. Like Hugh McGregor recorded like you know some lines of him talking, and they yeah. like mixed that in with Alec McGuinness. And... Because it was that thing of like she gets the voices in her head, and everyone was, like, oh, is that Obi Wan talking to her through the lightsaber? Like, yeah, they were ri- original yep. lines. And they went out and they got Ewan McGregor to do that. And I think they even get like, so a bunch of Star Wars actors got cameos. And that's again, out of reverence and respect for their acknowledgement to it. When Anthony time came, well, C-3PO is going to be in this movie. Let's reach out to Anthony Daniels. And they said, uh, do you want to just do the voice? Like, you know, he is for years complained about that costume being shit. Bitched and whined. The entire time I've like known about anything behind the scenes with Star Wars, there's always been stories of Anthony Daniels fucking hates being in that suit. Yeah, he never shut up complaining about it. And keep in mind as well, his co-star was a little person who had to sit inside a fucking trash can in the desert, and they didn't complain. And do, just do some beep boops. Yeah, like they never complained. So mm-hmm. they asked him, do you want to come back, do the voice, be on set, maybe wear the costume for one scene? And Anthony Dan's like, no, it has to be me. And he made them redesign the entire suit to fit him, specifically to his specifications, because he complained about it not fitting right. So they had the suit made, because they were going to put a stunt actor in it. And he's like, no, remake it for me. And here's all the complaints I have about it. And then he insisted on being in a suit in every single scene. And when they asked him why, he's like, well, no one else can be C-3PO. No one else gets the mannerisms right. And he said this in front of Andy Serkis. 
<laughs> you know Andy Serkis, who can be a fucking gorilla with a machine gun? Or Gollum. Or Gollum. And they were like, they're talking, and like Anthony Dines like, no one can pretend, to- no one could ever replace me as C-3PO in front of a guy whose literal job title is pretending to, co- moves like other people. Mm-hmm. Like, literally sits there and studies animals and pretends to be animals that he isn't. And has got an Academy Award for doing this but shit. But no one else and can Anthony... replicate Anthony Daniels, like, doing the robot. Just like, oh, no. Exactly, yes. And uh, so they redesigned the suit, they brought him back, and then do all the voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it gets even... Uh, other things that he did is for the prequel trilogy. And this is why I love, like, I don't like George Lucas in his direct style, but I do like that he had that, like, you know, that iron fist. Because it's really... It led some very funny stories of... Um, uh, for the prequel trilogy, C-3PO, once again, he's in it, but he is in it as... He's not built yet, is he? Uh, in episode one, he's not, and then in episode yeah. two and three, both he is. So Anthony Daniels, once <laughs> again, provided the voice for when he wasn't built. And again, according to behind-the-scenes stuff, just Anthony Daniels was like, the puppeteer didn't do the work right. So what do you mean? Like, Well, the puppeteer just didn't capture the mannerisms of C-3PO, C-3PO right? I hope you correct that. And he bitched, and he moaned, and he whined, and they gave him the puppeteering rig for Attack of the Clones. So he's one of those people who he can, like a professional puppeteer who'd done it for years and worked for ILM. Anthony Daniels, like, you don't know how to do puppeteering, right? I should do it. So they let him do it for the cl- uh, Attack of the Clones and they cut that scene out. It really smacks of like what you were saying earlier with um, Michelangelo of like, oh no, that nose isn't right. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Daniels is like, Something's wrong. So, well, what's wrong? Uh, it's it's they just don't not the right. right. They didn't get it and right. Let me do and it. The joke I ma- yeah, and the joke I make is if something was cut out of the prequels for not looking very good, you know it was bad. Mm-hmm. And then there was the CGI work as well, where we can't have Anthony Daniels walking down like Joe. The scene where C three O's head gets knocked off. Oh yeah, that's CGI, and he's sat in on the CGI work. And again, bitch and moan endlessly. They didn't get it right. It's like, well, they're using source footage of you. <laughs> they're copying <laughs> your mannerisms like it's not right and it's just that thing off like as you mentioned he simultaneously spends all his time complaining that he hates star wars but then whenever someone else tries to it's like well you can't do it like i can it's like look all we literally will let you still be c-3po but you won't have to get in the suit anymore that you hate no 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 one else and that's the thing he says no one else can do it and when we mentioned that in the video we got a very like brusque comment from his official standing mm-hmm. who does things goes to things like events or does like you know pick up shots and stuff like that for cgi work saying well i've met anthony he's a really nice guy i don't think it's fair that you say he's like a huge prick and it's like i just pinned that comment i remember responding like the fact that he of all people on this series has an official standing that he had to train mm-hmm. says more about says a lot and i think as well like, like um if you know, it'll be a similar experience of like, oh, well, I was just at the Star Wars celebration where Anthony Daniels was on stage for 30 seconds and he seemed like a pleasant guy. Yeah, and it's just that thing, the fact that yeah. Anthony Daniels had to specifically handpick his own stand-in and makes them train with him because they can't do it right. And then you've got James Earl Jones. Like, J- James Earl Jones has never once sat in on any um, uh, like work they do for Darth Vader. Why? Because he doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. No, well, that's the thing. Nobody else in that series gives a shit, even though pretty much every single person, besides maybe like the guy who played Arctic, mm. has a realistic complaint for them. Like, oh, has like a, they have more of a uh, reason to complain that their their character is not being portrayed correctly. 
And the fact that nobody else in the series even gives a fuck. Like, James Earl Jones doesn't care. Harrison Ford didn't give a fuck when they cast like that guy to play him. And they were asking him, he was like, oh, do you think he gets the man? And he's like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like Luke Skywalker, like uh, Luke Skywalker in all the extended universe, Mark Hamill doesn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go on. Like, another thing, like, in, in, if he did give a fuck, he doesn't go into interviews and shit talk the people pretending to be him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's the like, thing, isn't it? Well, who are the people that have shit to say about Anthony Daniels? It's like, well, all of the cast and crew that worked with him for years and years, including R two D two, and. And that's the thing. So I've been yelled at him by proxy where his official standings like, well, he's never acted like that. It's like the fact that he sits there and tells you how to pretend to be a slightly effeminate British robot mm-hmm. when nobody else who work on the series cares about their character or its legacy. And also that there's many other protocol droids in Star Wars that act almost the same. Yep. And it's, yeah, it's not quite C-3PO, but guess what? Like, I'm sure one of those people or one of those CGI robots could probably do the fucking job. But it's the thing as well, like, when he gets asked about it, he always says, like, the fans would know. And it's like, the fans don't care. Do the fans care about Darth Vader? So if they got Darth Vader's voice wrong, people would probably comment on that. It's like, but when it's C-3PO... And they always use a stand-in for that. Oh, well, he he said that he's got a bad feeling about this. So cool, it's C-3PO. That's it. If he did the voice, it'd be fine, but it's the fact that he specifically insists Mm -hmm. on being in the costume. And even when he's not in the costume, then he'll, like, actively... Like, you know, just shit on the work of puppeteers and CGI people. And then whenever they bring a stand, like for the sequels, when they had the stand in, who was Andy fucking Circus, he was shit talking Andy Circus's performance and he didn't get it quite right. Mm-hmm. They all try and pretend to be me, but they can never be me. It's like, fuck off. Yeah. This is a film where you've got bloody like James Earl Jones in it. And James Earl Jones denied credit for the voice of Darth Vader because he didn't see it as but being that important. you're saying a lot of names that are a lot more recognisable than Anthony Daniels. Exactly, yes. And I, all I, all it smacks of is just, he got this one gig, and as you say, he just wants to get paid and he needs to find every fucking excuse he can to be the only person that can play C-3PO because he still wants that paycheck. And that, but that's, and that's fair. Like, if he still wanted that paycheck, that's fine. There are plenty, like, you know, you mentioned Sam Witwer. Mm-hmm. He fucking loves Star Wars, and he wants to be The Apprentice again. Sure, because he loves Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Anthony Daniels hates Star Wars. He never yeah. stops complaining about Star Wars, and every time he does an interview where someone brings it up, he'll complain. But he never that was a great... got as big a paycheck, as big a gig as Star Wars, so... Yeah, that, there's a great bit where it's uh, there's a guy who tries to bring back all the original actors from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Bring Back Star Wars, and it's just a thing of, like, can I get the original actors to come back? And Anthony Daniels is in that, and he just acts like such a prick the entire time. <laughs> like he like actively does not want to be talking about Star Wars. Like you know, I've done other things. You know, mm. like, why don't you? Sh- why do you never shut the fuck up about it then? Why? Do, like, why don't think- you just let C three PO go if you're just proud of other things you've done? Yeah. He he simultaneously acts like he's above it, but then when they try and bring someone else, he's like, no, it's mine. Mm-hmm. It's like a child. And that's why I love like James Earl Jones. Like, you don't give a fuck. It's like, yeah, I'm Darth Vader. Yeah. Like, well, we're going to get a, a stand in. He's like, yeah, I'm busy. Sure. Yeah. Like, do you want to voice Darth Vader in Soul Calibur 4? Not really, no. Okay. <laughs> and that's the thing. You never got James Earl Jones being like, well, I need to like, you know, sign off on the person who gets to do the voice. Like, no, because it's not me. Mm-hmm. Like, the character, I play the character, but the character belongs to culture at this point. Mm-hmm. And the people who do it, it's like, yeah, sure, whoever you think is going to like do the role justice is probably who's going to be best for it. I can't wait until like Star Wars is public domain and someone makes a 
horror movie about like Darth Vader without a shirt, just hunting for honey. <laughs> so good. The best thing is though, when it comes to um, like, with, George, like with George Lucas and uh, Anthony Daniel, I think I mentioned this on a private conversation. But I mentioned it on the podcast. It's really funny. Is for years Anthony Daniels was like trying to be like, look. Can C-3PO have a heroic moment? I think C-3PO needs a heroic moment. The fans would like to see C-3PO have a heroic moment. And every time um, he asked that, George Lucas went, no, he's always scared. And that's the thing is, like, <laughs> what's great about that is that R2-D2 gets multiple. Yeah, and that's I think that's one of the reasons why um, he didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Report, I think it's Kenny Baker who played R2-D2. Yeah, yeah. Um, very infamously had a very frosty relationship with Anthony Daniels for years, mm-hmm. where Anthony Daniels would continually make fun of um, Kenny Baker um, for not being a proper actor. It's like, all you do is sit inside a trash can and beep as he sat there inside like a fucking solid gold dildo suit going, oh, bye. It's like, really? Really? You, you talk shit? And that's the thing, he talks shit to other actors and things. It's like, he sat there dressed like in the C-3PO costume and being like, you're not proper actor. It's yeah. like, fuck off. It's a space opera. This is a flat. He's a bait. He's inspired by Flash Gordon serials and westerns. Oh and um, yeah, I just I I love it when you know you get it the opposite way round of like you get fucking Ian McKellen being Gandalf and like yeah fuck yeah. And that's the thing, he loved it. He's like, well, oh, you're not you're not a proper actor if you're gonna play some wizard in a fantasy movie. He's like, I don't care. I'm going to go be fucking Magneto. Let's fly around. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, he loves it. That's the thing. It's like, and that's the true mark of um, an actor as well, the confidence. Mm. You can tell Anthony Daniels is horribly, horribly insecure about the fact that he's most well-known for Star mm-hmm. Wars. And that's why I say like, every time he gets brought up, in, if he like, does interviews about other projects that he's been on, if they bring up Star Wars, he'll leave. There are multiple I examples of him leaving interviews for talking about Star you, Wars. You know, did an interview with Ian McKellen or Patrick Stewart and told them, well, the only thing I know you for is X-Men. They'd probably just laugh it off. And they'd talk and about they'd it, be like, they, like, yeah, you know. We're, okay, we also are like serious thespians, but you know what? Those X-Men movies were fun to work on. Yeah, they like, you know, they built my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they built an extra wing to my house. And that's the thing of like, and that attitude be fine. It's like Harrison Ford very doesn't like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you ask him about it, he'll usually sit there and he'll mumble something or whatever. But that's always been clear that he doesn't like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That is well known about him. And like, you know, he had to be dragged kicking and screaming to come back. Yeah. So Anthony Daniels. A lot of zeros on that paycheck. They did, yeah. That dumb truck full of money. Is like, he's the juxtaposition of himself where he sits there and says he hates Star Wars but can't get away from it. He won't let himself get away from it. And even when they offer to do stand-ins, he'll insist on doing the work that he hates. So, like, do you know when, like, like when you're a kid and your mum complains that like, no one tidies up the house mm-hmm. and then you try and tidy up the house and she'll stop you from doing it and then go tidy up the house instead and then, and then complain about the fact they've got to tidy the house? It's that. <laughs> it's like they're only happy if they're miserable. Oh, dear. Like, he's only happy. And that's the thing, like, even when he was offered the opportunity, like, just do the voice. Mm-hmm. Just do the voice, like sit in a fucking sound studio for a couple of days. Like you'll you turn up, literally still be the character and still get the paycheck. You'll still get credit as a C3PO, but the fucking stand-in won't get a credit. You will. Mm-hmm. You'll turn up to the premiere, you'll get, a, and he's like, no. And he insists on forcing himself into the outfit and wandering around the desert. I like this. Just doing this. And it's hilarious. 
And like I said, yeah, I've been yelled at him by proxy because his official standing's like, no, he's not a prick. It's like, you're his official standing, you're paid to say that. You're paid to fucking lick his balls. So uh, that was our review of Kenobi episode one. <laughs> <laughs> Just think, I'm, I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah. Because it's going to be like, it's going to be all over the internet for the next six weeks. And I love the fact that it's like, we finally got the answer, the mystery revealed of why did Kenobi in Fortnite have a knife? Oh, is he? Uh, He's got a oh, knife yeah, and a jetpack, and it's like, what? And that got released before Kenobi. So everyone was oh. like, why is Obi-Wan Kenobi's signature weapon a fucking knife? Not a lightsaber. Not a lightsaber. And it's like, Do you know what it is? It's like, they couldn't get, they got the rights to Kenobi, but not the rights to a lightsaber. No, it's because you know that Disney are probably, well, he doesn't use a lightsaber in the, the movie, in the, in the, like, in that, um, TV show. I will bet you. A hundred percent, he has a fight with Darth. I Vader. will bet you a hundred pounds right now. There's a lightsaber in that fucking 100% TV show. Hundred percent, him and Darth Vader are a lightsaber fight, and then it's like is- Darth Vader has some weird agreement to let Luke Skywalker live on Tatooine as long as he stays quiet. This is some a TV bullshit. show that exists entirely to make weird nerds who make the prequels their entire personality mm-hmm. cream their fucking pants. Yeah, it is going to have everybody in it. Darth Maul's getting a fucking cameo the Emperor's gonna be in that literally the only reason I think that this exists is to explain that Darth Vader knew that Luke was on Tatooine but for some reason didn't go to to attack him and it's gonna be I think that that's gonna be like this is gonna be the explanation in this series it is a show that exists entirely to make weirdo nerds cream their pants and to make people shut up about that plot hole I think it's like, oh, but it's so easy. He's called Skywalker and he lived on Tatooine. Just go to Tatooine and find the kid called Skywalker. And that's always been the complaint, hasn't it? Of like, it really yeah. shouldn't have been hard for Darth Vader to know where fucking Luke was. Well, it's like when he says, like, um, he can sense Luke Skywalker from across the galaxy. Then he stood, like, two foot away from Princess Leia when he says it. <laughs> and it's like, because she wasn't his sister in the canon yet. Yeah. She was just, like, Princess from Alderaan. Oh, dear. And they're going to retcon that by saying that Princess Leia has false powers and uses them to conceal herself from being found. Shit, yeah. I guarantee, like, I guarantee, I'm going to make a bet right now, two episodes in. So we know Darth Vader's in it. I'm going to bet we've got Darth Maul. The, Emperor, the Emperor's got to be in it. Because mm. he's the only villain they've ever made that's actually interesting besides Darth Vader. And Ian McDermott wants to get fucking paid. Anthony Daniels and we're gonna is going to come sh- in as another uh, evil guy. I reckon that's going to be his only cameo. What are the, what are the odds then? What are the odds that we get Jar Jar? That, we're going to get a cameo. Yeah, that's what I mean. What are the odds that we're going to see Jar Jar somewhere? Do you know, like in uh, that CGI insert for the special re- edition re-release, where it's like they have the shot of the Gungan planet? Oh, yeah. I reckon it's going to be either something like that, or they'll mention Jar Jar. Mm. Or do you know what? It'll be one of those knowing nods right there, of like it'll be working on a pod racer or something like that, and it'll just be like... Uh, Oh, don't touch that. He's dangerous. Like, yes, I know. I've heard. No, he's a senator at that point, isn't he? Is Jar Jar a senator? Oh, maybe he'll... Men- that'll be a... And there'll be a wink or a nod to Jar Jar. And, someone, like, and it'll be one of those things. Like Bail but- Organa being like, oh, yes, I've got an appointment. And then, like, he walks into a room and Jar Jar's on the side or something. I've got an appointment with Senator Jar Jar. <laughs> and it's one of those things where... Senator Nerds on the internet are going to... Give him his title. They're going to they're, they're cream their pants and you'll get the thumbnails of the... I can't believe they actually did it. Senator Binks wants you. 
and Ahsoka's going to be in it, and it's like, and he's going to pick up eight different lightsabers, and Darth Maul's going to have robot legs, mm. and Sam Witwer's going to be on Twitter complaining that he wants to be in it. Because that's the thing, like, Sam Witwer can't be in it, but Anthony Daniels can. Such a shame, because he loves Star Wars so much. Yeah. I think you got it all the wrong way around. Did Not you? Ian McDermott, yeah. Sorry, uh, Sam Witwer loves Star Wars, he's the apprentice. No, but... I, he loves I, it. But... In my head, you said that he can be in it, and Anthony Daniels can't. I don't oh, know so if I missed it's a shame it, that he you said it wrong yet. It's a shame he can't mm. be in it when Anthony Daniels is. And I'm hoping that that one cameo is the only one that he gets. Because I feel like every time they try and do something like that, he insists on being in it. Mm. And that one second cameo is as much as they were willing to do. Because I bet you anything, he was supposed to have a more um, uh, expansive role. Yeah. And when they found out that he had to insist on being in the costume, they went, I'm not fucking. He was going to be like, you know, assistant to Princess Leia or something like that. Like one of his attendants or something. Yeah. And they were just like, we're not fucking working with this guy. Give him his cameo and give him his paycheck and tell him to go away. I hope so. And just put the Emperor back in it. Just let Ian McDermott just fucking ham it up. I just want to see him do another light twirl. All I want is, like, I want it to be absolute schlock. I don't want them, because I'm really worried they try to tell a serious story, and I don't want that. I want it to crash and burn and go off the fucking rails. Well, um, I mean, it, the first episode is quite a serious tone, and, like, or I, I saw, like, you know, the director comparing it to, like, the Joker and Logan, and I was like, <laughs> why are we... All right. Like, I know yeah. that the, the premise of that interview was that, Oh well, it's a like a serious tale about one person that we follow through, and like it's not about the rest of the cast and stuff. It's just about Kenobi, which is why, like, yeah, that's... which is why we keep cutting to unrelated characters who's not interested. That's exactly why half of the first episode was about Princess Leia. Then yeah, got it. Got yeah, it. definitely. That's what I love about that because like they say that, and it's like it's disproven by the first five minutes of the episode, and like. <laughs> It's not. You just want people on the internet to cream the pan. You want to put as many fucking references in. This is just... Just say it. Either way, um, uh, yeah, I think we can call it there. Like, you know, Obi-Wan sucks and I'm going to have to watch it because otherwise I'm going to be left in the lurch. Yeah, so um, I'm going to go over to check the Patreon for any questions. For anyone listening mm-hmm. on podcast services, um, we are now currently been recording our, um, our podcast live for patrons uh, Wednesday, 2pm mm. British time. And um, yeah, we'll just be potentially continuing. We'll see how this goes, but we'll uh, be doing some Q and A exclusive to the Patreon. Um, and if you want to get that, go over there, I guess. Mm, okay, so you're uh, going to do a quick check now. Yes, yeah? so are we stopping recording, or are you trying to uh, cut, like, well, edit? This yeah, we can say goodbye to everyone on podcast services. So thank you. Cheers, everybody. Enjoy your week. We'll see you next check- Thursday. Check it out. Um, check out the links below to things like our Twitches and our um, uh, streams. Hell yeah.